Welcome to the Hex Devs Podcast. I'm your host, Tiago. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie. Today, we have a very special guest, Ulysses Almeida. How you doing, man? Good. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Hello. So, Ulysses is an expert software engineer. He knows a lot about Elixir, and we're going to talk about some cool stuff. So, thanks for joining us today, Ulysses. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. It's my first time in a podcast, then let's see. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, but let's see how it, how it goes. I met Ulysses at first when he was looking for people to review his book. Uh, so Ulysses has a published book. It's called Learn Functional Programming with Elixir, New Foundations for a New World. And I'm going to leave the link if you want to purchase in the description notes. Uh, so, yeah, Ulysses, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, your interests? Okay, yes, sure. Uh, I'm Ulysses, uh, I'm Brazilian. Uh, I came from a small town in, in Grande São Paulo, I can, I can say that, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a town called Diadema. Uh, it's a small town. Uh, did you know that one day, like mid mid two thousands, uh, it was the most dangerous city of Brazil? <laughs> yes, but yeah, I survived. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was it was not an easy childhood. Yeah, divorced parents, poor family, uh, etc. But uh, I think that I was very lucky to to have uh, a great uh, a great uh, grandmother. She she always. Uh, was amazing to me. Always motivate motivate me to study and to and work hard. And today, now I'm I'm a Elixir developer. Of course, I had a, a long journey to become a, a software developer. And today, I'm living in Estonia. And uh, if you don't know where Estonia is, is uh, in a country in the northeast of Europe, close to Finland, uh, right uh, left of Russia. You can use your Google Maps and you can find this country there. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I, before I come here, I didn't, I never heard about Estonia, but now I'm living here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my interests. Uh, I like programming. Uh, when I was a teenager, I did uh, some uh, arts. <laughs> How can I say? Like, uh, uh, there's some publics. Uh, space in Jadema that I I could practice uh, uh, I could sing in a in a car I could play piano I could uh, be an actor in plays I could draw <laughs> cartoons uh, I could write fantasy stories yeah there's a lot there's a public cultural public space in Jadema we could participate and do this kind of stuff but of course this kind of stuff in Brazil or if you don't have enough talent don't give you a lot of money. <laughs> then uh, my interest of in computer, uh, I had also an interest in computer, and then uh, it started with my when my late aunt gave me a, a four eight eight six IBM computer. Mm. It's a very old computer. It was like when I was eleven years old, she gave it to me, and then I I start to play around with this computer. It's uh, to have an uh, idea how is the computer was, it's like it has like 500 megabytes of hard drive. Mm. 
<laughs> it, <laughs> it had like 8 memory megabytes of RAM. And it's a really old computer, but it was really fun to to get me into computers to start and and I realized that I could operate the computer, I could do stuff uh, as good as many adults in that time when I was 11, 12 years old and, and I was teaching my mom, I was teaching my grandmother, I was teaching some people to, how to use the computers. I, I, it was easy to me to learn. And then where uh, my grandma realized that hey, this boy can 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 operate the computer, can can command the computer. Maybe I, I, I should put him in some schools to to learn more about computers. And and uh, yeah, that's when uh, I started. And programming came is like years later. Uh, what was your first language? Oh, my first language. <laughs> well, I can say. Actually, uh, it will be a little bit funny. Like, my first language was Ruby. Oh. But I was like 30 years, uh, 13 years old, 12 years old. I was playing with RPG Maker. Oh. And I have uh, no idea that I was programming. I had no <laughs> idea. I, I was, <laughs> I wanted to build games with that, that software. You can, you can easily build games. You, you have visual tools. You can configure some stuff. You can uh, put some ifs, some stuff, and in behind of that you ha you have some Ruby. And but I have no idea that it was programming. Uh, I, I, for me, it was just building games and making fun and having fun. But I had no idea that I was really programming. I just realized years later when I start to uh, do a technical school, there I I got my I got my first contact with C mm. and then I start to learn some C and I realized, Hey, I think I had done this before. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's very similar. And then I remember, I remember the RPG maker. Oh, oh, that, that was programming. Really? <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, okay. Okay. This is programming. <laughs> cool. When I met you, you were working at, Plataforma Tech, right? You worked there for how many years? Like five years or something? Yeah, five years. Yeah. And Plataforma Tech, for those of you who don't know, they have the, some like famous jams in the Rails community, for example, Device, and of course, the Elixir language. Uh, so how was the process? Like, I, I imagine you helped uh, building Elixir or, or somehow? How? No? <laughs> So you just you were there like absorbing the the knowledge and stuff. Yeah, seeing stuff happen. Yeah, uh, working in platform tech was amazing experience. I could see uh, Elixir. Uh, when I arrived there, Elixir, uh, I can say that Elixir was a a baby. <laughs> 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 it like it was uh, like it, it it was already born, but still was not ready for production apps mm. it was, was not ready for people uh, when was it when was it uh, i think it, when it started to be ready for people people using production when i think it was like 2015 oh. i i came to platform tech in 2013 cool. and elixir was born before like 2010 2011 or 2009 something like that i don't remember exactly when elixir was born but it took some years to to get a shape uh, i remember also 
Jose Valin, he he gave up some time, like he 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 had to rewrite everything from scratch. Mm. Uh, like he to he have to he working some his ideas with some feedback from the community. And when I arrived, uh, it it was after his his rewrite, and now mm. people will start to realize that hey, this elixir is a good thing, you know. And people start to realize that it was a good idea. And, but yeah, the rest of developers, like we are like consultant developers, then we didn't have too much time to help Valin, mm. but we are helping by funding Valin. Mm. <laughs> because we are, we are working in projects, getting money, and with this money, Platform Deck could invest and pay Valin's salary. And he research, could, cool. Yeah, research, and he could uh, spend his 100% time just working with Elixir and building Elixir. And the rest of us, we are earning money, <laughs> working, <laughs> <laughs> working projects, and, and yeah. And of course, uh, in sometimes in Platform Tech, we have projects downtime. We don't, we didn't have uh, projects to do. Then we could help our internal. And with open source and internal tools, or also helping with, uh, uh, Valin with building Elixir. I, I think I saw like three or four times some developers helping in Ecto, helping building a new driver for MySQL in Elixir, or developers helping other Ruby gems. But yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not a, it's it's not for everyone. Mm. <laughs> it's not uh, available for everyone. Do it all the time because. Uh, we need money. Uh, Platform Deck needs money to to still in, to invest, and then uh, but projects downtime sometimes happen, and this was opportunity for developers that was not uh, how can I say not scheduling any project. They could op- work in these open source projects. Now that's an interesting story because you worked at this company and you also had some time to contribute to open source and. Like the, the company was building things and then also uh, contributing to the community. So so how was that? Like the, did the company, uh, why was the company interested in open source? Uh, I think he, I think he, uh, invested uh, that much because it's one of those, uh, the higher selling points of Platform mm. Tech. Mm. Why? When I joined Platform Tech like 2013, like one year before that, I discovered Ruby and a lot like, oh, Ruby is amazing. And then I was Googling uh, companies that was were using uh, Ruby and I found Platform Tech. In that time, Platform Tech had three Rails core developers there. Like it had oh. Rafael França, José Valim, and Carlos Antonio. <laughs> Imagine it. Cool. If I, it's a Brazilian company here in São Paulo, like close to, close to me. Imagine <laughs> I could work with the top, uh, top, uh, the three top, uh, uh, sorry, three core Rails oh, contributors. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. like the honor to be uh, with this, work with these guys. And also I want to be a Ruby specialist and I want to learn more. With this guy, I could learn a lot. And imagine if you go to, like imagine a company, a product company start start to use Ruby on Rails. They start to face issues, and they look for some company to help them. And if, here comes a company and say, "Hey, 
you know, we have three Rails core developers here. Do you want help? Then <laughs> mm-hmm. it becomes a huge uh, selling point. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, selling point, selling advantage to the other uh, competitors. Then that's why Platform Tech uh, like to hire these people and invest uh, money on that, and especially Jose. Like, if you Platform Tech want to to sell some Elixir projects, you know, like, hey, there's Elixir Create with us. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> <no>? <laughs> yeah, you can, How can you compete with that? <laughs> yeah, like, it's really hard to compete. Like, if you, but of course, not not all companies want that. So mm-hmm. companies just want people doing code. But if some company want to some advice, advisement or, sorry, need some advisor, Imagine you have the Elixir creator give you advice to, to build your software. Yeah. It's, it's huge. It's, it's a big thing. Then, uh, yeah, uh, that's why having this, being a reference in the open source community is very important to, to plant a farm tech because it gives uh, uh, a good advantage to their competitors. Um, so I imagine that mentoring was something frequent in platform attack did you did you have the opportunity to be mentored like by some by any experts in platform attack and did you also mentor someone well that part is funny because when i joined platform attack uh, we didn't have any onboarding or mentoring program it was everything on the fly you know it was The company had like 15 people or 12 people. It was very, very, very small. Then we have any process uh, designing anything. We just have to learn on the fly, learn with feedback from pull requests. Uh, but of course, the company want to get bigger. Today, like they had like more than 60 people. Like it, it was like in five years, like it's like five, six times the the size they, they were before. And uh, they were growing. They was very, uh, how can I say? They were, they wanted to grow organic, not like uh, a huge grow and uh, no process on place, nobody no, don't know what to do. They want to grow organic. And then some uh, onboarding and mentoring programs start to show up, like start to be designed. And the good thing, it was designed by developers. It was long like HR or mm-hmm. the the manager. Oh, I will do so. No, it's like we need to do this, but it it needs to be done by developers, by you guys, by you employees, you know, mm-hmm. by you folks. Then, mm-hmm. then we we developers start to build uh, some mentoring programs, onboarding process, of course, with advisement from HR. <laughs> it was not just <laughs> our ideas, like. <laughs> but, but the good thing like the technical stuff uh, uh, was like it was from us then uh, we had a lot of good feedbacks from newcomers of course bad feedbacks too hey, we need to improve that, improve this there's so uh, it was that's sometimes like it was really amazing sometimes people stopped to do that or sometimes we, hey, we need to do that again and it was great again And yeah, but yeah, today now I think platform attack for newcomers that is joining now or joining last two years or three years, they had a 
a better onboarding process, a better mentoring program, a better uh, more clarification how I how I raise my salary, how I mm-hmm. can become a senior. You you have the path there, like you have the things you have to do to do, things you have to to learn. Uh, to, in the beginning, it was like grass stone. <laughs> <laughs> Today, like they had a we yeah, we together we build a, a really good good stuff for people that is is joining uh, nowadays. Then cool. yes, uh, answering I participated I mentored some people, <laughs> but <laughs> I did a my mentoring was on the fly didn't have any process I had just feedbacks from my uh, my my companions but. Uh, but I help I help people to build these new programs, uh, and I also help to mentor some developers. And it was really cool. Yeah, that's nice. And then, when when did you guys started uh, building Elixir projects? Because I believe, like you said, that the 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 language was still still a baby, was still starting out, and then eventually. I guess you guys started doing some Elixir projects, like real-world stuff. So do you remember uh, which one was your first Elixir project at Platform Attack? Like, how, how did you get started with, like, real-world real stuff there? It was not that long time ago. Uh, like, in 2015, I think you, uh, David Thomas launched the programming Elixir book. Uh, I think it, that was a start uh, for platform attack, like hey, now I go, we're going to receive projects, and we start to receive projects like, uh, I th- especially João João Brito, this uh, was, uh, he was the main uh, one of the first developers that's not Jose to take Elixir projects, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and like, but this time like 2015, it still was a uh, uh, projects based on advi- uh, giving ad- advice, you know, like yeah. people start to use Elixir, they didn't want the developer, they didn't want to people to code Elixir, mm-hmm. but they want advice, like, hey, are we doing good? Can you check this pe- request, this how do stuff, or how we can do this, how we can do that? And then Joseph Alin was the main guy in doing this, but uh, João joined him, join it uh, to, to, to this kind of project and it, it, it was like that but of course more companies start to use Elixir and, and like 2016 by the end of 2016 starting to talk uh, 2017 I got my uh, my first project in Elixir it, it was uh, e-commerce they was migrating technology. They was migrated from Ruby to Elixir, and it was a coding project. Like we have to code, and we have to face issues, production issues, and then uh, yeah, I think it was like 2016, 2017 was my uh, real project uh, that we I had to code and and help the developers. Awesome. And how did you feel about it? Like, because you were like migrating a project from Ruby to Elixir, how was it? Like, did you did you see 
the advantages right away or was it hard to do it? Yes, that is the, uh, <laughs> this is interesting because uh, not just uh, we are migrating that project, but also the company was migrating developers from Ruby to Elixir and not just the, that, and the company that we are uh, doing the project, also Platform Attack was migrating some developers to Elixir. I won. I was one of them that was migrating for Ruby to Elixir. But I think he, uh, I think, uh, the first advantage that I could see, like from from the start, like I start to coding Elixir, start to migrating stuff, was how uh, how it was a little bit more simple to mm. fit in your head some stuff, you know? Because yeah. you, you look to a function and if, what you need to, to worry about is in the function argument. You don't need to, wor to worry about inheritance. Like you don't have to worry about if there's any module included here. Uh, maybe there's this, at, uh, I'm calling a function that's a method that may be in some included method or maybe it's in some yeah. other class that I don't know where is it, maybe in some library, maybe there's a mocking patch here, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we look at Elixir function, most of the times uh, we have to worry about is just about the function arg arguments. Then it's very uh, easy to fit in your head to understand what that function does. I think it, but of course, bad code is, can happen anywhere. <laughs> a bad code elixir is you'll be a bad coding elixir and you'll be hard to maintain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but sometimes to have factor or to understand, uh, I think it was uh, very easy. Uh, but it's not uh, uh, the main advantage of elixir, but it's main advantage of functional programming. Uh, and it was pretty cool. I think it was the uh, I liked this. It was the first thing that I noticed that hey, this it is actually more simple to understand. <laughs> yeah, like with functional programming, you don't have to worry about side effects all the time. And it's easier to understand what's happening. Yeah, I, I felt I felt like that too when I started doing some functional programming. But then did you learn about functional programming when you started doing Elixir? Or d did you have some knowledge about that? Be from before or or not? Uh, I heard a little bit before, but I was uh, I was watching talks uh, or some speaks about uh, uh, using some functional uh, concepts in your Ruby in your JavaScript, and okay, I can use this concept, but I, I really dive into it when I start to jump encoding Elixir and also when I start to write the book. And why did you decide to, to write a book about functional programming? When I was researching stuff about functional programming, it was always in other languages. Like mm. it was always in Haskell, Clojure, or uh, JavaScript, or Ruby, or uh, F Sharp. Uh, it's always yeah. in other languages. Like, but I, I imagine like why, I why if I am interested in Elixir, why I cannot learn functional programming with Elixir instead of using other books or other uh, language to understand it. 
Of course, to write this book, I have to use this other source materials, these source materials. But if somebody wanted to start with Elixir and learn functional programming, they they shouldn't. Uh, I think it would be good they could learn with the language they they like. And then, yeah. Yeah, that was the main reason. I think like the main idea. Like if you want to learn functional programming, and you want to program in Elixir. Uh, do it one way, like do it using just one book. You don't need to to use three books or four books to 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 get get what you need. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, we actually we discussed that a little bit in our early episode with Brian, and uh, he mentioned that probably Elixir is making functional programming more popular, right? Because it it's not that hard. It has Erlang, for example. So I think that is a, a really good idea. Um, and let's say that someone wants to learn like Elixir. Do you think it's it's okay to not uh, learn Erlang first? Or that would be just like, it's a bonus to study if you want to learn Elixir, but it's, it's okay if you just go straight to study Elixir first. Yeah, you, good question. You can, you can go straight to Elixir. You don't need to <laughs> worry about Erlang to start. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, when you start to work with Elixir uh, and you want to be a better Elixir developer, then you need to learn some Erlang for good because uh, sooner or later you you, you have to uh, touch or call some Erlang module and you will need to learn, uh, read their Lang documentation. And their Lang documentation use their Lang syntax. If you have no idea, mm -hmm. for you, you'll be like a crypt. Like, uh, uh, like <laughs> some, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll be crypted. Like, what? <laughs> I can't <laughs> understand it. <laughs> but if you learn some Erlang syntax, okay. It's not that crypt anymore. You can understand a little bit what's going on here. And, and you can really translate easily to Elixir. And then you can uh, and you can understand better. But of course, uh, besides the the Erlang syntax that will help you to to read the Erlang documentation. Mm hmm Yeah. Okay. And how was the experience of writing a book? Do you plan to write more books in the future? <laughs> the experience, uh, it was hard, challenging. Uh, you know, when you work in a full-time job. And uh, I was working a full-time job and my free time, the time I was supposed to rest or to have some fun, I was doing more work that was writing more, writing the book. The, it's not a great intellect uh, challenge. It's more about resilience <laughs> to keep you mm -hmm. motivated, to keep you, it's more a hard work. Like it's hard to, to keep you writing almost every day at, at least one hour. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you don't care about yourself, you can really burn out. Because sometimes in, in the work you will have to work more. You have, you have to work extra time, and also you have to write your book. But you are really tired, and but you feel a little bit guilty because you are not writing the book today. And also the publisher is putting some pressure on you because you have dates to 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 achieve, and you have chapters to achieve. Keep the chapters chapters on schedule then also the language barrier was not that easy i was i was not 
I'm still not good in English, but that time it was really worse than today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, it was really uh, it was hard too. Then yeah, if you, I think I, I burned out like two or three times. Like I, oh. I gave up. Yeah, I gave up. Like ah, I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I spent like one month or two months without touching the book. But no, I came back and okay, let's let's do it. Let's finish it. Let's finish. It was. I think it, it it was supposed to finish one year, but I finished in, in almost two years. <laughs> but uh, I got it done. Uh, yeah, it's hard. Like because also people close to you, they sometimes they don't understand that you are busy. Uh, I don't know. But if I was in the college, far from home, people will understand better. But if you you are work at home, people sometimes people think. Uh, that you are there, you are present. Then you can help. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can talk. You can, <laughs> but you have to put some by hairs. To put some limit. No, now I'm working. You know, it's sometimes hard. <laughs> no drinks for me today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then yeah, also this like oh today I'm not going out with you friends. Oh I'm not I I'm not doing this travel this weekend because I have work to do, and people mm-hmm. what. Working the weekend, yes, <laughs> and yeah, this really hard. You have to say a lot of no's <laughs> for mm-hmm. a lot of people, and people might be, get hurt because they oh you don't care about me. No, I care about it, but I, I had an important job to do here. <laughs> yeah, but it's a hard, but yeah, I I like I have happy that I f- finish it. I'm also relieved that I finish. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had some ideas for new books or maybe a second edition of this book but i had no plans to write it right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're happy that you finished the book because like it's a really nice book and it's very approachable like mm-hmm. if you if you're a junior developer and you want to learn a little bit of elixir and also if you want to learn functional programming it's a really good book for for that so Congratulations on, on the book. <laughs> Thank you. It was the idea. Of course, you can, uh, not everyone, it's, maybe it's not the book for everyone. Uh, but yeah, if uh, I did the book that I would like to read, then uh, then I like it. Then if I like it, maybe if more people like it. If you like it, uh, good. Thank you. <laughs> 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 And then, like, if I'm imagine I'm a junior developer and I have some interest in in Elixir, but I don't know, like, why why should I learn functional programming? Because oh, it, it sounds so complicated. Like, why should someone learn more about it? Why you should learn functional programming? Uh, it's because it's everywhere now. <laughs> uh, all the languages today, I, uh, they have some concepts borrowed by functional programming. If you see, for example, uh, programming language that you have the map function or the redux yeah. function, uh, in, even your Ruby or JavaScript or Rust, I don't know, any Java, if you see these functions there, it came from functional programming. It's, it was not from, uh, then, okay, then I have these concepts coming from functional programming. Then even if you don't want, you you end up learning <laughs> because yeah. it, there's no way to escape it because it, it came they had a 
functional programming has a lot of good ideas and other languages is taking it it's they are embracing it and and even if you don't want you you have to learn because it's now more developers are start to using these features these these tools and yeah <laughs> if you want to keep updated keep uh, uh relevant and uh, relevant uh, in your in your work and understand the code that your friends are doing or your colleagues uh, are doing and you have to learn you, you you have it because it will simplify a lot of your uh, imperative code you are doing right now uh, and uh, yeah i think you one reason is because right now it's very it's very present in all languages many concepts from functional programming then the, then you have to learn so i remember that when i was learning ruby yet because um, it was not like a long time ago but anyway <laughs> uh, i remember that i started listening some people saying oh functional programming and i just remembered that i was like functional programming i write functions in ruby what is this about <laughs> And then I started like learning a little bit about it, but um, yeah, I think it's like, ha as you said in, in the introduction in your book, it's like just OOP or object oriented programming, like it, it's not just, it's not solving all the problems that we are facing today, right? Like, so functional programming, it's it might be the the tool for some problems that we have with OOP, like the uh, concurrency problem. Con sorry, concurrency problems and parallelism and all of that. So yeah, so listen to Ulysses' advice, people. <laughs> yeah, because like right now you ha you have for the new CPUs that we have right now. They have a bunch of cores and you have like a bunch of machines running. And then you have the problems of concurrency and shared data and shared state everywhere. And when you start applying functional programming concepts, your life gets easier. Like it's easier to do concurrency, it's easier to do par parallelism. And you said in your book that um, like th some of the languages, object-oriented languages are not the right tool for taking advantage of, of concurrency and like having a bunch of cores you know and do you think that in the future uh, even functional programming won't be enough do we, do we have to like create another thing that takes advantage of different things how, how do you imagine the future uh, yeah. philosophical <laughs> question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe when I said that it's not the right tool Maybe I was too rush. <laughs> maybe it's not <laughs> the best. <laughs> maybe it's not the best to or object uh, oriented language. Maybe it's not, are not the best to. Uh, I think he, uh, like you said, like uh, functional programming has the immutability by default. It makes uh, concurrency in parallel less painful. But I will, I will not say that makes easy. It makes mm -hmm. easier, but not easy. But if yeah. you still, yeah, if you. Uh, uh, I I was writing like this week some stuff that I have to create some joint servers and etc. And it was like oh this it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's like it's OTP and joint servers and supervisor. Like it's not easy for 
right or to make it right you, you still can do silly mistakes and even I, I have a friend there and he's very good he's very experienced but he he made a simple mistake in a game server and he create created a huge bottleneck mm -hmm. and you always have to think about it like uh, it's not uh, about your gen servers what you are processing or what you're putting in your state, what you're not putting in the state, what you want to synchronize, what you don't want to synchronize. Uh, you still have to think a, a lot about it. Then maybe, uh, like, imagining the future, maybe, like, functional programming is, is a better tool. Uh, it makes it easier, but it's still not easy. Then maybe, uh, maybe some language can, uh, or can, some like let's say uh, a language that have a concurrence or parallelism paradigm you know like a language mm -hmm. that the uh, concurrence is the first uh, is when you write the code like you mm -hmm. you write something like um, do this you write out uh, while you're doing this you have a also do that like you something mm -hmm. some language constructor that you could do could do this I don't know if it's possible but of course if you think about Quantum programming, <laughs> programming. <laughs> you not get that. <laughs> I'm curious about it. I don't know if you you can do websites with quantum programming. <laughs> React, quantum React. But I think if the people that uh, create quantum programming language is because the other languages are not enough. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they that's why they created quantum programming language. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really curious about this thing. I didn't research anything. I didn't read any, uh, anything about it. But there's one kind of problem that functional programming. It, maybe maybe it can be our future. Maybe we are mm -hmm. like in ten years we'll we'll we all be quantum developers, quantum programming developers. We'll, we will be discuss discussing. Hey, you see how quantum programming paradigm change our lives? Change how we do code? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So you'll be in that state, it's maybe yes and maybe not, like the Schrodinger cat. <laughs> yeah, maybe the website is there, maybe it's not, maybe yeah. user logging, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bug, maybe it's not. <laughs> Only if you look at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you use authenticated? Mm, did you look at it? <laughs> uh, so now you, you are working full-time as a Elixir developer, and... You moved from Brazil to Estonia. So how did you end up in Estonia? Like, how did you find out about this this company? How, how was the process? Okay. Yeah, good question. <laughs> You're like the first person that I know that lives in Estonia. Yeah. I was the first person too that I knew. <laughs> that I knew. <laughs> okay, I was not looking to move to Estonia. I was looking to move abroad. Then... I did a lot of process. Uh, I participated in many uh, uh, recruiting process, uh, and I chose Estonia. Like I, 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 I fought, uh, like I got three, three, three or four jobs, and between the countries, the salary, uh, the cost of life, the work life, uh, and the work life balance, uh, I put everything in the balance and uh, to check which what would be a good thing and Estonia uh, look good like they have low uh, bureaucracy 
It's really mm-hmm. easy to get your ID here. You get uh, everything done here. Like I, I also I, tr- uh, uh, I transferred my Brazilian driver license to Estonia one. It was really easy. It's, I I just bring brought my license. They okay Brazilian license okay to Estonia done go. <laughs> cool. It was yeah, it cost me like 30 euros something like that. It was really was pretty. And, and a lot of things here is like that, you know, like it really is. And uh, I'm really happy with this choice. Like I, I don't regret it at all. Nice. And how, how did you find about those uh, jobs? Like were you looking at specific companies and then you applied through their website? How, how was it? Uh, yes, yes and no. <laughs> I I went to my LinkedIn, I updated my LinkedIn, put everything there. I I changed my profile to be I open to opportunities. <laughs> I also I was looking for uh, there's a website called Elixir Jobs. Oh. Uh, I think it's uh, okay, I check the website, but I send you the link later. You can put the description of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And there they have a lot of filterings that you can uh, do uh, and you can find some interesting companies there. You can you can search by by company segment like ah, I'm looking for a gaming company. I'm looking for a, a e-commerce company. I'm looking for a, a factory company. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have a lot of filters. I use it. I use that my LinkedIn and some recommendation from friends. And I start to apply. I start to apply to many companies. Uh, I, I start with international companies and, and stop there because I got a job in <laughs> international company. Mm. Uh, yes, by friends' recommendations, uh, uh, digging in this Elixir job sites, uh, digging LinkedIn. Uh, but I didn't have a country uh, on my mind to go. I was just looking for a good company, a company that mm-hmm. I could relate. I could uh, they offer a, a good salary, a good uh, mm-hmm. a good uh, challenges. It was Elixir. Elixir was also uh, uh, if you it was not Elixir, I would say no. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> Elixir was uh, yeah because you know I I just finished to write write the book. <laughs> Yeah, that would be like a waste, right? So you write a book about Elixir and now you have to do PHP or Java, I don't know. <laughs> no, then uh, Elixir, it was a big point for me if a company was doing Elixir. And yeah, then I found this company, CoinGaming, in Estonia. I was really a bit of, a little bit of scary, afraid of Estonia because I never heard about it before. <laughs> <laughs> But they, no, no, it's a European Union country. Uh, it's a good country, don't worry. And then I tried to research about Tallinn, the city, the capital. And it was, it was good. I uh, Google some images, the website. I, they also they have a website called Working Estonia. I read through them. I was checking how is their bureaucracy. I also check a lot of sites about cost of life. Uh, and yeah, I was every new opportunity that show up, I was checking everything about behind that, like, not just the company, also the country, then the city, I was uh, maybe moving uh, to there. Then, yeah, it was my, it took like four or five months to to finally, oh, I, I, just, I got a job. Mm. And the city looks beautiful, right? 
Yeah, it's very beautiful. Like it's a small city. Uh, it's very empty. <laughs> There's not many people living here. <laughs> Which is a good thing coming from São Paulo. Yes, a good thing. Uh, an interesting thing, like the public transportation is, is good. It's free for residents. Like I, oh. yeah. So, sometimes it's weird. I go to some country uh, to visit, and then what? I have to pay for public transportation? <laughs> <laughs> what barbarians? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> why you don't have public free public transportation here? What? <laughs> Sometimes something, maybe it's because their Estonia was a communist country before. I don't know why why they have free public transportation here in Tallinn, but the government want to spread to all the whole country. The country they want to the whole country be have free public transportation, and it's good. Like uh, in the the old old town here, uh, is very well preserved. Like you can go there. You it's like traveling back 1000 years back you know like oh, maybe not 1000 years but seven, seven, 700 years ago like it's, it's you feels like oh i'm in the medieval era now <laughs> it's pretty cool let's all go visit Tallinn and say hi to this <laughs> yeah cool come here but uh, but it's small like you can see everything in two days <laughs> nice. <laughs> then, then just don't plan just to go to to Estonia, go to Finland, <laughs> go, go to Sweden, <laughs> go to everything's closed here. <laughs> then, yeah. how how was like your adaptation? Like what I I don't do they like everyone speak English? What about the the weather? Like how do you feel about living there? Okay, uh, I feel pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a really safe city. Like you don't uh, hardly often you you heard about some crimes. Like you really feel safe walking, even in, during the night. You you feel very safe. Uh, it's also very calm, very quiet. Uh, the adaptation was easy to me because I'm also a calm and quiet person. Although although it don't sound like that, but. <laughs> I'm not a party guy. I like to stay at home, you know, playing, reading books, playing video games, or watching movies or series. Uh, I'm more like chill guy. Uh, I like to. to uh, of course, yeah. sometimes I. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, read. Dog tips. <laughs> Check it out to Lisa's Twitter, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see some cat gifts and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just check my account. Yeah, I love, I love tweet. Pet, <laughs> uh, especially cats. They are so funny. Yeah, they are. Do you have cats? Uh, no, not not here. Uh, I used, I used to have in Brazil when I was living with my mom, mm. but but now they are with my mom now. But here, not yet. We still, uh, seeing that is the. Because when you have a pet, you have this responsibility uh, to take care of the creature. <laughs> and right now we are traveling a lot, mm -hmm. uh, using this opportunity to travel a lot. And like, you, if you have a pet, you have to f find some place to, to pet stay. It's like one more thing you have to worry. And right mm -hmm. now we just, we, uh, me and my wife, we don't don't want to worry too much about it. 
and yeah like uh, then like the for me to adapt adapt the culture was not that hard because if you see the Estonians people they are they are more introvert mm. and I'm kind of also introvert too then <laughs> I, I understand them <laughs> I can relate it to them easy but of course uh, it's a counter that everybody is white and blonde <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that like that I don't look like that then I have this feeling that I, it's really easy to see that I'm not from here <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was really uh, until now I, I didn't suffer any discrimination everybody was really polite and, and kind of kind to me I don't have any complaints and and also uh, the company that I'm working on they are they are very international I think in the company has like more than 27 nationalities working there people from different nationalities 27 nationalities it's like my my start of day is like good morning drobo horanku uh, buenos dias namaste <laughs> ohayo dobro <laughs> utra like a lot it's like i have to say like good morning oh, tere homikust also i have to What's say good, <laughs> like it's seven eight good different good mornings that i learned mm. <laughs> i still have more to learn <laughs> Yeah, but it's like that, like many people, different people. There's a lot of Brazilians also in this company. I don't know why. Maybe because of Elixir. I don't know. But also in the customer servers, there are a lot of Brazilians there. Then I'm kind of I'm kind of in a bubble, you know, like uh, most people I know, they are international or they work with international people. Then they are very open and very uh, nice. Then I maybe I really don't know the natives here, you know. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> maybe I don't really don't know the Estonian people here, because I really, uh, I, I think maybe I'm, I'm I mean I'm in a bubble. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my close friends are Brazilians also. Sometimes when we go out, I go out with my Brazilian friends. Sometimes I go with other people, but they are from different nationalities. They are not Estonian or Sometimes there's one Estonian in the middle, but <laughs> they are sometimes they are from Russia, sometimes they are from uh, Mexico, sometimes they are from uh, Guatemala. <laughs> yeah, there are many people here. Then in the company and friends. Then yeah, I, I yeah, and then the adaptation was kind of easy. Maybe the weather is hard, of course, <laughs> but if you have the right cloths, like mm. not that bad, like the all the buildings are ready for the winter. I think the problem sometimes was the the summer. Since it was ready for winter, in the summer it was really hot here. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it like a, inside of the buildings, but like a burning hell. Like and people, <laughs> they don't have good air conditioners. <laughs> and people here love sauna. They really love to go to sauna and have like 100 degrees there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and like i think when it's super hot there oh, it's fine but <laughs> i i don't like i don't like it <laughs> uh, yeah nice yeah so i imagine that the process of getting the job and getting the work visa and everything was easy too yes <laughs> it was pretty easy like there's some complications of course 
por exemplo, Estonia don't have an embassy in Brazil. Then it means all your process you have to do here in Estonia. Then you have to move. We we don't even know that you you get the, your residence permit. Maybe uh -huh. but it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit. But everything worked well, you know. Like uh, I just signed the job contract in Brazil. Uh, then I I moved to Estonia. I was packing a lot of uh, bringing a lot of bags, but for to the border control to the uh, uh, for the people in the airport, I was a tourist. Then how you explain that? Why you have so many bags? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, like you have to explain now. You're going uh, as a tourist because it's easier than saying that you're going to work. Then they get more suspicions. Even you have a job contract signed because you don't have a visa. You really don't need a visa to to go there. But people in the border control they can uh, can can complicate your life. Then it's easier to say just you're going as a tourist. Then you you buy the the two-way ticket uh, trip, and and then later you can sell the the comeback trip or just come back to to visit. I don't know what. Well, it's mm -hmm. easier. Like, just go as a tourist. Then you arrive there, find an apartment. It was not that hard. <coughs> Sorry, and also getting the. The, your ID code was not that hard. I, I like in two months I got I got my ID card, my residence permission for five years. And That's super cool. Five years is nice. Yeah, five years. And, and uh, yeah, two months I got my five years of permission and was th that it? Amazing. <laughs> it was super easy. See here is. Oh, that's great. Is is very low. Like, of course you have to provide some documents like your passport. Uh, the company that hire you, they probably they have to do some stuff, and you yeah, you don't have you, uh, <laughs> you don't even know. But <laughs> since everything is integrated in their systems, then it works very fast and uh, and it's very convenient for people. And you're working at a gaming and betting company right now, like a crypto betting company? Yes, <laughs> it's a gam That's gambling cool. company. <laughs> gambling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a gambling company and also a sports bet company. Yeah, we have many websites. You can check like sportsbet.io or bitcasino.io and uh, how can I say? Ah, slots.io also is some company's website. Of course, we have other tools, internal tools that you know, we are working on. Like uh, we have our own uh, chat application for support, customer service. Uh, we have all, our own payment gateway to integrate with many payment providers. And I'm working in a payment provider, uh, the payments team. Uh, we the the most different thing in this company that you can bet or you can play or you can gamble with bitcoins. That is the thing that makes this company big. Like nobody mm -hmm. was doing that. And this was the first company of doing that. And, and the, for a gambling company, it is a very good thing to do. Like it's uh, because when you are working with payment providers, like the 
the company, the gambling company, don't control the money. Like if for yeah. some reason the payment provider don't want to give to pay <laughs> yeah. your company, don't want to transfer the money to you, you are screwed. Yeah. But when you are working with cryptocurrencies, uh, you uh, the the comp- uh, nobody's control it. Like you control it. Like if you have the uh, the your keys to the wallet, to the mm-hmm. crypto wallet, uh, the company is the bank. The company control the money. Then it was a smart move, in my opinion, to move to this kind of uh, currencies. Of course, is still not uh, mainstream. Like if you think bitcoins, right now I'm working with integrating Tron currency, and it's another cryptocurrency. Yeah. And they are not mainstream yet, but but. Yeah, but it was. Uh, we still need uh, to provide normal payment methods like credit cards, bank transfer. We still have to provide it to have more users. But as soon as cryptocurrencies can be and become main, more mainstream, uh, you it will be better for gambling companies than rely on payment providers. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because like gambling is illegal in some places and it's a very risky business because like the provider can say, oh, I'm not paying you because it's illegal or whatever. And then yeah. if you use crypto, you you have no problems, you know, unless the unless crypto is also illegal in the country. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also you uh, uh, not here in Estonia, uh, cryptocurrencies are allowed. Uh, like uh, I was visiting Czech Republic, there are some places that was accepting bitcoins as a payment method. You could like pay <laughs> with bitcoins, but of Ooh. course it's like it's niche places. It's not a it's still it's, it's far from being mainstream. But yeah, like uh, uh, when you are dealing with payment providers, sometimes it can be a little bit shady or can be risky because they can run away with your money with the uh, company's money but that's why the crypto uh, the bitcoins and other big cryptocurrencies that will come soon are the main foc- focus of the companies the uh, what they want to sell more like maybe you want to use big transfer as the beginning but the company will try to move you to the user the player to to use cryptocurrency yeah cool and since you started working there, did you feel something, I mean, did you feel anything different from your Brazilian experience? Like how, how is it, how different it is your experience working in a company in Estonia compared to your experience in Brazil? Mm. I was surprised that it was not that different. I mean, of course, that's different because in Estonia. <laughs> but I think it, the biggest difference for me was the how is diverse the people here uh, in the company. Like we have so many people from different nationalities. For me, it was a little bit a shock. Like wow, like I have to talk with so many different people. It was amazing and a good thing. Uh, but at the same time. Uh, it was not that a surprise, I think, because uh, when I was working in Plataforma Tech, I 
I work in the international projects. Uh, they it me gave me a lot of experience to working with people from United States and in this project people also was from Russia and of some people was from uh, from India. Then I had a little bit of this international experience before and also Plataforma Tech they had uh, they always pushing all the developers all their staff to to be a international level standards you know like documentation in English and, and improve the quality of the code as a, a high level standard and when I uh, and, uh, when I moved to Estonia in this company I could see that platform attack uh, was not that far or that different from here like uh, the experience was uh, similar of course there's some difference for example this company has a lot of more money <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can they have more perks more benefits for uh, for the employees but still like uh, uh, the quality of the work uh, uh, the people, different kind, uh, people speaking English, working in English, documenting in English, was uh, uh, was similar that was doing in platform attack. Then was not that different, but still different. Okay. And are they hiring new developers right now? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> From abroad. From abroad, of course. <laughs> yeah, but you have to move to Estonia. Uh, they right now they are not accepting uh, remote workers. They want everybody in their in their office. Then, but you can uh, you can look to the coin gaming careers. I can I can send you the link later. You can put in the the podcast description. There are some openings for customer service to uh, VIP handling, like to talk with top players, pro players. Uh, also, we have Elixir dropping job openings. Like if you, nice. yes, like we have I think three openings. One is for my for my team. Then if you want to work with me, we we are hiring. <laughs> you we work with Elixir most of the time. Sometimes, of course, there's some front end, some JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. But most of the time is Elixir. Then if we, we are right now, we are integrating. Throne, uh, then soon uh, you will see Throne currency in the web in the company's website. Then, if you like crypt- work with cryptocurrencies or if you like Elixir, if gambling is not a problem, <laughs> it's not <laughs> a problem for you. <laughs> Sports bet is not a problem for you. Uh, yeah, it's a very cool company. Uh, also, we have uh, other teams. We have the uh, the chat. Uh, application team they are building it they need a, a elixir developer also we have the accounting team they also need some elixir developers to build the new accounting software uh, they also need elixir developers for the R&D uh, team uh, then yeah there's a lot of elixir jobbing, job openings if you are willing to move to Estonia to Tallinn, and if you want to work with Elixir, uh, you can apply. That's that's cool. Like, 
To me, it makes a lot of sense to use Elixir for like a batting system. And also said you're building like a chat, a chat uh, platform. It makes a lot of sense to use Elixir. Like for batting, you want your bats to like, you want to calculate the bats in real time. You, you want to get feedback very fast, right? So to me, like it makes a lot of sense to use Elixir, right? Yes, yes. Uh, of course, not everything is in Elixir right now. Also, the company has a huge leg legacy in mm -hmm. Node.js, <laughs> but they want to move everything to Elixir, especially because of the performance and the re soft real-time feeling, like you things can can feel more real-time without with less resources. Then yes, we we are moving ev everything to Elixir. It will it will take like one or two years to get there, but <laughs> to to get rid of the huge legacy. But but we one day we'll get there. Hey, and and the company is actively investing in Elixir, right? So they're moving everything to Elixir because they see the benefits, right? Yeah, yes, yes, cool. yes. Also, uh, uh, the company also interest in contribute to open source. If you look the coin game GitHub, we have some libraries, open source libraries. They are not famous, but uh, they are there. We also, we have, uh, like if we see a issue in some library, uh, we can fork and we can contribute back. Then the, the company, the CTO is very open to it. He, actually, he want the developers doing more it. Of course, sometimes we have features to deliver. We have the <laughs> business to, to achieve. We uh, we cannot uh, we don't have that much time to open source, but the R and D team they have more time to to contribute back. And also we they are we are using a build they created is a kind of a microservice framework in Elixir kind of, <laughs> but still close it. But one one goal is to make it open source also. And there's an interesting tool, like you can plug, uh, like you can create your umbrella application and, and you can start as umbrella and then can you later you can switch, like instead of using an app inside of your umbrella application, you can start start to use external service mm. that is not in your umbrella and you don't have to change your code. Like you can change the communication that where the service is Mm -hmm. or who is providing that service and you don't need to change your code like this is kind of the framework is doing and it's working <laughs> but of course it's not uh, it's still on beta still not a lot of to we still need to do a lot of improvements but yeah in one day yeah sorry, sorry go on uh, in your one day it will be become open source one day it sounds cool. Uh, yeah, you said like you're integrating Tron and you have like Bitcoin stuff. Are you guys also like writing smart contracts and stuff for crypto, like developing crypto applications and stuff like that, like dApps and stuff or, or not? Uh, right now, not. Right now, our goal is to do the MVPs, <laughs> do like Users want to deposit some money. It's what we <laughs> we are doing right now. We we are not using any fancy ideas. 
with it yet. Mm. But yes, maybe one day we can uh, use these support contracts in the future if we had some idea how to use it in an interesting way. But right now, uh, our job is more like integrate and make it work, make and make user the player be able to deposit with drones or bitcoins and then withdraw their bitcoins and their or their drones. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, do you have any tips or advice for our listeners that want to relocate or maybe even try applying to a job in your company? Is there something that you find made it easy for you to relocate or you know it was you made it harder harder or something yeah okay for the company if you intend to apply to elixir uh, job then it's good to study elixir <laughs> like the test is related to functional programming and otp like of course it's not that advanced uh, Erlang OTP, but you have to at least know how to write a basic chain server, uh, maybe a little bit of ETS tables or not, but uh, you have to learn a little bit, you have to know a little bit of it to pass the test. About moving to Estonia, one advice I can share, like if you are coming from Brazil, Brazil don't have Estonia embassy, try to go as a tourist, like Go as a tourist, buy the two-way tickets trip. Uh, it will be a lot easier to pass the border control to pass to get to Estonia. Like I, I, I bought just one-way ticket. I brought my job contract signed. I went to airport, go to Estonia, and the people there blocked me. Like they know, no, you, no, you have, you don't have visa, you don't have any. But no, but the Estonia. It's Schengen area, it's visa-free for Brazilians, I can go there. Yeah, but you can go as a tourist. Where is your trip, uh, your ticket trip pack? Where, where is it? No, oh, no, I don't have because I go into work, I showed my contract. No, 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 no it's not a visa. Uh, a job contract is not a visa. And uh, this was, and I have to buy uh, a ticket there to, to be able to go in. And it was very expensive. If I didn't have any savings, I would be screwed. <laughs> 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 Then, but other people, they they got it. Like other Brazilians got it. Like they just bought one ticket and it was everything was were fine. But me, I was unlucky. But it was a horrible experience. Imagine I almost almost losing the flight. I I had sold everything in Brazil. No. <laughs> I didn't have a, a place to, to to be. Like everything was ready to move and. And like imagine I, I could I would I lose the flight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then it was a really horrible experience. Then I don't recommend to anyone to pass to suffer this. Then if you are Brazilian, you're going to Estonia, go as a tourist, even you're going to work, you know you move to there, you everything will be f- fine there. But buy the two-way tickets and <laughs> go as a tourist. Well, People will yeah, people will not. People will be be easy with you. They will, you can go easy to there. Yeah, I think it's the main tip. <laughs> so that's really good advice, Ulysses. And uh, if, what if people want to reach out to you if they want to ask a question? 
Uh, I think they can reach me through Twitter. <laughs> I think it's the easiest place to, to find me or to send a message to me. My Twitter is open. Then you can send a message, follow me, and or tweet or tag me. Uh, besides that, besides uh, you can reach by email. You can go to my GitHub account also. Uh, my Twitter is Ulysses Almeida. My GitHub is Ulysses Almeida too. In my GitHub profile, you you can see my email there. If mm. you don't remember any of this, you can also visit my blog. <laughs> it's ulysses.dev. In the about, you can uh, about me. You can the about page. You can you can gather more information how to reach me out. Also, yeah. Cool. And what if they want to buy your book? Uh, I recommend to go to the Pragmatic Bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy there the ebook there. But of course, you always can go to Amazon also and buy there. <laughs> Maybe they have mm-hmm. a, a, a cheap version there. I don't know. But yeah, uh, but uh, Black Friday in, of the Pragmatic Bookshelf, most of the books are 50% of discount. Then it's a good discount, half of the price. Uh, it's a good opportunity to buy not just mine but other books there that you might interest in. Nice. So check out Ulysses' book, Learn Functional Programming with, with Elixir. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ulysses. It was a really cool interview. So thank you very much. Thank you, Stephanie and Thiago, for the invite. Uh, it was a really fun talk with you guys interesting questions and i hope whoever is listening to this podcast will have a good time too and maybe learn something yeah they will (laughs) cool awesome thank you (laughs) 